two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. Hey, FKTC crew, we are here for the 32nd installment of the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles podcast. I have one question this week. What's up with the majority of these main events? <laughs> Lame. <laughs> I almost fell asleep on this one. It was a snoozer. Yeah. Uh, but regarding that, we'll actually we'll be talking a little bit about that later in our topic of the week. But I understand that you are going to Indianapolis uh, starting Wednesday. Woot woot. I so. leave at 6 a.m. So we better get this podcast rolling. Um, I need my beauty sleep. Yes. <laughs> so we have full, full day tomorrow. Wait, you, full you, day. Have, you, have, you have to wake up by six, you have to leave by six. Uh, the flight leaves by six. The flight Ooh. is airborne at six o'clock. All right. And it's, oh yeah. So this is going to be a very quick podcast. Yeah, we say that. Yeah, and then it ends up not being quick. Um, <laughs> but we have that topic of the week, and then we're going to do our usual uh, recap, UFC Vegas 50, and then our predictions for the first UFC card, not in Las Vegas or Abu Dhabi, or not in the U.S. Yeah, not in the U.S. or Abu Dhabi. Since, oh. well, well, it's the first international not in Abu Dhabi since the pandemic. Right. right. Since, since March 14th, 2020. Holy cow. It's a long time that's, ago. That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. It's very nuts. But before we do that, we start off round one with UFC Vegas 50. Jeez, 50 card. 50 card. Like, I, I hope they, they spaz it up, uh, spaz it up. I hope they jazz it up a little bit. But jazz it or spaz it? Jazz it. Yeah. Well, it's all about the matchups, right? That's right. Pretty much like UFC fight nights. Uncle Santos versus Uncle Liev, basically. All that stuff. Right. But... Kicking things off, we had Alex Perea defeating Bruno Silva via unanimous decision. It was a pretty solid fight. Um, yeah. Pretty much striker versus grappler. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a whole lot to it, to be honest. Yeah, I felt like Alex just used his legs to keep distance so Bruno couldn't get in and finish his, his strikes. And Bruno had very calculated strikes. He mixed it up a bit, but Alex, like I said, just is 
use those legs, he threw out a lot of leg kicks and it was kind of a low, low energy fight in my opinion. Uh, Bruno used his uh, takedowns in the, the takedowns were good, but Alex got up with everyone, got up right away. You could tell the length was really troublesome right. for Bruno. So, yeah, no shocker there when the time came to announce the winner. Right. Yeah, was no surprise at all. So, nope. with his second straight, his second UFC victory. Um, don't know if he'll be ranked yet. He'll probably need like one or two more fights before he's ranked. Um, of course, he is the got one of the few guys that's beaten Israel Adesanya. So yeah. we'll see if he can get back up there or if he can get up there. Best of luck. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'd like to see a, a better fight out of him mm -hmm. before he does move up. Right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Next, we have Drew Dober defeating Terrence McKinney via TKO uh, in probably one of the wildest one round fights. At, well, I'm not going to say ever, but it's definitely like one of the crazier rounds, one of the crazier one round fights that has been seen. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it was, Terrence came out uh, fighting, he was swinging for the fences, mm -hmm. did some spinning back fists, mm -hmm. and Dober ate those shots, but he didn't look very stunned, mm -hmm. and then just a random knee, not quite sure where that hit really, <laughs> and McKinney fell in slow motion. Mm. Like yep. practically sat down and laid down and then didn't defend himself. That was so confusing to me. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> Interesting stoppage. Um I was kind of, I was okay with the stoppage, mostly because like you said, he wasn't intelligently defending himself. Um it looked like maybe I had to look back and see where he got hit, but it looked like the knee hit. Was it in the midsection, like that, like the chest, yeah. stomach area? So I kind of wonder if, depending on where the knee hit, I was wondering if it was kind of like a liver shot, maybe, and it was just too quick. Oh. Either that, or either or Drew Dober has some nasty knee game, has a nasty knee game. Yeah. And then I'll get to I'll I'll give him a nasty knee game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Terrence McKinney might not have been ready for it. Oh, actually, now that I think about it, I did notice in that fight that McKinney, um, after throwing all those wild shots, like the first two minutes of the fight, he did seem a little tired. Like it seemed like he wanted it to be done, get out of there quickly. Um, yeah. And I was wondering if like maybe he was so gassed. Like I've noticed that when you get hit, um, the more, the less energy you have, the less likely you're able to like intelligently defend or it just 
takes more out of you. And so I'm kind of wondering if that also was the case. Huh. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. Yeah. Um, I'm disappointed he wasn't better prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think McKin McKinney, I think he took this fight on short notice, if I'm not mistaken. So didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. That actually seemed to be the theme on this card that some of these fighters took these fights on the like, short notice, and you can just tell they were unprepared. Um, sadly, I'm also referencing Jillian Robertson here, who took her fight against JJ Aldrich on two weeks' notice, and it just was not it was not good for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good for Dober though, getting that victory. Um, a lot yeah. tougher than a lot of people predicted or a lot of people thought really I definitely didn't predict yeah. him to win because I thought McKinney was going to go in there and get the victory right but that's okay um, ready to cover another fight that I was wrong about yeah and me too yeah wow <laughs> jeez I mean Khalil Roundtree just is a savage. He was throwing knees to the face after combos and Carl mm -hmm. Robertson went in there like hesitant. Mm -hmm. Do I want to hit him? Do I not want to hit him? Do I want to? Do I not? Right. Terrible. Disappointed. Good for good for round tree, but geez mm -hmm. Louise. Did you hear that, uh, hear that kick, um, that body kick? Yeah. That thing was, sound like, um, sound like a baseball bat hitting a, uh, what's it called? A baseball a ball? No, it sounded like a baseball bat hitting a punching glove, not a punching glove, a oh, punching bag. Yeah. Like, that, <laughs> like, that was rough. Yeah, that's, I like the sound effects. Yeah. That's what I'll call them. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me a little, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Valentina Shchenko's first title defense against Jessica I right before she launched that head kick that, whew, like she launched a body kick onto I and my goodness, like the, I think the stadium was loud and you could still hear it. That's nuts. Yeah. You know that's got to hurt. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I just wince hearing that sound. That's going to be pretty. Um, what do you think of Roundtree's um, post, um, his Octagon interview? Like, he was talking about how his backstory, about how he, I'm trying to think of how, what he had said. He was like, he wasn't in the best shape and he was contemplating ending his life um, and that he found mixed martial arts and it kind of like saved him. And it was very interesting story. I couldn't really gather a whole lot from it because it was kind of challenging to listen because you can tell he was like really choked up about it, but I'm curious what you uh -huh. thought about it. Well, I mean... I didn't know that about him. Yeah. It was an interesting factoid. I'm glad he's around. Right. And we, 
you know, he found something that, that made him feel, I don't want to say viable, mm-hmm. but something that made him feel good and right gave him something to look forward to. And I think it's nice that he shared. It right. just brings, I mean, one thing that I like about the, the UFC and the fighters is they seem more like you and I mm-hmm. rather than Tom Brady, for instance. <laughs> Don't get me started on Tom Brady. <laughs> so I'd like to learn more about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's always interesting hearing a fighter's like backstory to see where they came from and I know there have been a couple that I've heard of that have come from like really rough backgrounds and uh-huh. how they found mixed martial arts and all that. And it's kind of in, kind of in, inspiring to see if that's the right term. Yeah. But good for, good for the victory. Um, although I will say that Sean Strickland has officially landed on my uh what's it called on my dislike list if i do say so myself on your shit list yeah perfect (laughs) that's perfect way to say it um here um i promise this would be short but i actually do want to pull this up real quick because it is uh i kind of wish some fighters would just stop with this BS thing that they do. Um, so, looking back, okay, I don't think it's too far back. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, ah, here we go. Found it. <laughs> Found it. Oh, I do downloads now. Okay. So, when, I guess it was after the fights, was when Khalil Roundtree was talking a little bit more about what happened. Um, uh-huh. I didn't get to quite listen to it, but our Mr. Decision, Sean Strickland, decided to chime in on it. As I'm just going to let you read it because I don't feel like reading it. Gayest shit I've ever seen in Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I'm just going to point out my response. At least, <laughs> at least Roundtree finishes fights. It's okay, Strickland. You can just admit you're jealous of his finishing power. I'd be too, since he's had more finishes in his six years in the UFC than you have had in the eight years you've been in the organization. Time then, throwing out facts. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, someone liked it. I got to look and see who liked it. Probably someone I don't follow. Yeah, someone I don't follow. But still, at least it's getting recognition. What a dick. Yeah, that was... Oh, that should be our... That should be a new thing. Our dick of the week. (laughs) Although I'm not sure it would happen. Maybe maybe we'll just do dick of the month. So that would be like three guys, right? Probably. (laughs) Probably. 
our, our, or like our top five picks of the month. And then just go in order and then we'll decide through it. But yeah, uncalled for. And I just want to throw the Nick Diaz bird towards Sean Strickland. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that, that was definitely a weird flex to draw attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, our next fight, yes. Sodiq Yusuf defeated, defeated Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy, no, is it Bruce? Yeah, it is Bruce Leroy, uh, be unanimous decision. Um, I have no complaints about it. It was a fairly solid fight. Um, they're both near even in strikes. While Sadiq is really more known for his striking, we got to see a little bit of a ground game side of him, which is going to really help him as he moves up in the featherweight division. Yeah, I um, don't have any complaints. I thought it was a good good matchup. I just felt like Sadiq was a little bit more active uh, with the striking, but also the ground game stuff helped him out. So. I didn't think that I thought at one point in time, maybe Sadiq could have finished this fight mm-hmm. and didn't. So I was a little bit disappointed in that, but overall, I thought it was a good fight. It was decent. Yeah. No, um, no complaints here. Um, especially since Caceres had some pretty decent moments. He actually had more significant strikes, but not by much against Sadiq, but it was definitely the ground game that kind of wasn't right. and all that. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see where both fighters go from there. Um, ooh, I'll just go to the next one since you came up with his nickname. <laughs> Song Savage Yadong. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived up to my nickname for him. He was a savage. Oh, yeah. He's so much fun to watch. He is a lot of fun to watch. He's a badass. I love him. The fact that he is, I think he's 24 years old, too. Guys. Yeah, this it'll be fun to see him for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and his knockout just came came out of nowhere because <laughs> I was like, I was just watching and like, I, like I was like, following this fight through and through and then just all of a sudden Marlon Marais falls to the ground like wh- where did he land it so I had to like really watch the slow motion I'm like dude that, upper- that uppercut came out of nowhere out of nowhere <laughs> yeah it was a it was a great fight I it was um I had mentioned last week on the pod that it was my fight to watch mm-hmm. and I think I nailed it Boom. Pow. Hammer it. Hammering it down. Um, Good stuff. I, I think what's crazy about it is not, yeah, Song Dong is definitely going to be, once again, a cool name to say, but he's going to be such a force in that bandwidth division. But yeah, Marlon Marais has just not been the same since his fight with Henry Cejudo. 
I can't compare that to this fight because I think song is so uh, dominant. Mm-hmm. So I guess I don't have, you know, I can't really comment on that, I guess. I mean, I'm just like, from what I've seen, um, so he was like one of the more, like he came to the UFC like in, I want to say 2017, 2016. And like, I think he lost his first or his first one or two fights, but then he just started knocking people out. Like he actually owns a knockout over the current champion, Aldrin Sterling. And it was a savage one at that. Um, But then he fought Henry Cejudo um, for the uh, vacant Bantamweight title because uh, Dillashaw vacated it because he was going to get suspended and then just ever since right. that fight um he's lost five of he's lost five of the six fights and his only win wow. was his only win was a split decision law a split decision win against jose aldo in which a lot of people believe that aldo won that fight i think i might be wrong huh. you think it got in his head i i guess so Either everyone, everyone might have just caught up to him too, because he's been knocked out yeah. by Corey Sanhagen, um, a couple other Corey Sanhagen. I mean, he's been finished against oh, um, Mirab. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but he got knocked out by him. Um, and then there was one other guy, and then now we have Song Dong. Huh. So, and it looked like. At the end of that fight, uh, Marlon Marais took his gloves off like he was going to retire, but they never talked to him. So I don't know if he's going to officially retire or I just think that either the bandwidth division's caught to him or he's just caught up in his own head, like you said. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. He's going to be such a force in that division. I think just, I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, how much I can say about it. Um, all right. Hmm, excuse me. I'm going to go get some food and make dinner because by the time I finished it, or I would finish it, this fight would be over and making dinner would be a lot more interesting than the fight was. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but we got to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Magomed Ankalaev defeating Thiago Santos, uh, unanimous decision. Um, another lackluster main event. This is one I wish I fell asleep for. Um, could I could just catch us later, but. Yep. Ankalaev just controlled that fight from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. There was no way Santos was winning, nope. unless it was by some lucky knockout. Right, which he has the power to do so, but never took advantage. Yeah. Kind of just wonder if like maybe he was afraid of Uncle Ives power because he has been known to knock people out. So I wonder if he just was worried he'd get knocked out himself. But. Any fighter can knock any other fighter out. Why fear it? 
Right. Exactly. You're not going to win by decision. Right. Like you lose it. Like if, if you know you're down three nothing in the scoreboard, you might as well just go for everything in those final two rounds. Like you're not going to win, so might as well try something. Like you get knocked out, you get knocked right. out. If you get submitted, you get submitted. <laughs> I mean, at least at least you can get knocked out or submitted with the thought that you at least tried to perform your own knockout. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. That was lame. Yeah. Give um, that okay. fight us. Give that fight a. Give that. Give that fight card a solid C plus. Uh, I I probably go more the C C minus route. Yeah. Um, Deserved. Um, apparently, Uncle Live wanted the fight to go the distance. Um, he did it to see if he could go the full five rounds or if he gets a title shot. But I don't think his performance warrants the title <laughs> shot right now. I think you might need at least one or two more fights before you can think about a title shot. Yeah. We know, we know how the UFC loves to push these fighters, so. I don't know it. So we shall see. Um, we shall see. Before we get into our predictions, shall we update the FKTC listeners on our scorecards? Well, we picked the same fighters for the entire scorecard. Oh, we did, didn't we? Yeah, so it didn't change. <laughs> oh, okay. Dang so. it. <laughs> Dang it. I could have sworn you had picked Roundtree and I picked Robertson. So I, I thought that might have been the only change. Nope. Man. Man. I know it. <laughs> I thought, and I, I, I also thought you picked Rudober too, or did you change your mind at the last minute? No, I didn't. Oh, I man. didn't pick Rudober either. Oh, man. <laughs> <sighs> All right. We're, we're at a stalemate right now. <laughs> so, oh, let me see. So, at least we have maybe six. This card will be. This card will be. Card will be different. Oh, I think it will be. Um, yeah. So, given my time restraints, I'm going to try to gather up my thoughts into what I know about the fighters, but mostly I just wrote down who I thought's gonna win, so. Um, focus, focus, focus. Yes, I will focus. So our first fight on the main card um, is between Ilya Taporia versus Jai Herbert. And I know Taporia because I, I think he was the first fighter I covered when we did our fighters to watch for the pay-per-view cards yeah 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 Yeah. tell me about him yeah i can tell you but i let's see if i can gather up what i remember from ufc 270 i think is what i covered him um he is quite the striker knockout artist um Uh and he also likes to pick fights with englishmen (laughs) who doesn't (laughs) 
Anessa, I am referencing to his encounter with Patty Pimlitz uh, earlier on today or Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, I don't know the gist of what happened. All I just know is they caught the end of it in which there was a lot of stuff being thrown. And I think Tapora at least attempted a punch towards Pimlet. Um, so if y'all want to catch that, go to the UFC site or you can go to either one of their Instagrams. They both have it on there. Oh, um, tough guys. Yeah. Although honestly, I think if they were in, if they were in a fight, I think Tapora would knock him out if we're being honest. Yes, of course. Uh, China he has that kind of power. He does. And he's undefeated at 11 and 0. Um, Jai Herbert, I don't know a whole lot about. Um, I don't know if this is his debut or if he's just just one of those fighters that are on the roster that just stay relatively quiet. Um, but with that all being said, and I apologize, Jai, that I don't know a whole lot. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Ilya Tapura wins this fight, and I'm going to um, say TKO. Yeah. Bold strategy. Uh, Jai Hubert, he is a pretty solid uh, striker, but I hope his uh, ground game has improved because Moicano absolutely destroyed him on the ground. And so if Topuria gets him on the ground, he better, he better get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I am, I am also going with Topuria. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think he's a better fighter. Yeah. Thank you. Better striker. (laughs) Thank you for that coverage on her, um, Herberts because yeah. I did no not problem. do my homework. Someone did their homework and someone did not. And now I have to look like Psst. <laughs> Just We're this in one. This together. Ah. I like that. I like that. We're in um, this together. Do you wanna go? Do you wanna start off the next one? Because it is a ladies' fight. Woot woot. All right, Molly McCann. Uh, I remember Molly McCann with her amazing fight with Cachawea. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a solid striker, fairly aggressive, active. Uh, Luana Carolina uh, seems indecisive at times, uh, not very aggressive. Uh, she'll probably use, if she were smart, her uh, length to keep McCann at bay, keep her strikes at bay. Because McCann is kind of a, a smaller gal uh-huh. uh, in height, height-wise. But I think that Molly will come out the, the clear winner on this one. She just looks twice the, the fight, fighter that Lulana is. So mm-hmm. that that's my... My pick. Okay. Um, just trying to gather some thoughts on this one. So, oh man, I should never have looked at the scoreboards. <laughs> my, my my Anaheim Ducks lost. Um, but sorry. oh no. Yeah. Snap. 
Yeah. So looking at their statistics. Oh, interesting. Luana Carolina has a seven inch reach advantage. So you are correct uh-huh. in saying that she needs to use that to her advantage. Um, wow, they're only two in- they're only two inches separate for- in their height. Um, but yeah, looking at this, um, Carolina does have more accuracy with their significant strikes, but Molly McCann throws more significant strikes per minute. Near actually, it's over. A strike higher. Um, yeah. So with her reach, uh, I think Molly McCann's best chance would be to take advantage of that. While it's not that strong, she has a takedown average of 1.7, but her takedown accuracy is only 32.35%. So um, it's going to really depend on how Caroline. Uh, Luana Carolina's takedown defenses, but if it's not as strong as McCann's will to find any way to win, then it's not going to be good for Luana there. Um, so given the experience between the both of them, I'm also going to take Molly McCann to win this fight. Yeah, I think that's that's logical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we think. <laughs> yeah. Just just watch until watch the fight happen, and then it all it blows <laughs> up in our face. Um. Next up, we have Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. Um, Gunnar Nelson, very well known in the UFC, very seasoned veteran. He has. Let's just double check real quick. Uh, oh, oh, they're actually about even. So Gunnar Nelson has 23 fights in the um, in his professional career, excuse me. And then Sato has 20 of them. Um, looking at the numbers, they're pretty even. Um, Sato does land more significant strikes at 3.16. But Gunnar Nelson yeah, yeah. is very high on his accuracy, landing nearly 65%. And he's also a good takedown average with uh, 1.72, and his accuracy is a little over half. And Sato is about half on takedown accuracy. Um, I think what's going to help Gunnar Nelson is his stance, uh, because Sato operates out of the southpaw where Nelson can just switch between orthodox and southpaw. Uh, I mean, any way to get advantage. I think you don't see a lot of fighters with the switch stance and I think it helps them out a lot because if there's, if one method isn't working or like the legs get really beaten up, they can switch the stance and like try to help a little bit with that Uh, because I feel like leading up on your not damaged leg is a lot better than leading up on your damaged leg. Um, and of course, you can always throw some surprise punches and whatever in southpaw or in orthodox stance. So having both of them is going to be really helpful. With that said, I'm going to take Gunnar Nelson in this fight. Um, I just think the experience and his ability to take down and to 
effectively switch stances as needed in the fights is going to help them in the long haul. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with what what you're saying there. Um, And I, too, have chosen Gunnar Nelson. One thing about being able to switch stances is it throws your opponent off a little bit in the fact that it changes your target zones. Uh And so what you're you're leading off with as far as your kicks or or your punches um if you're throwing combos and leading off with jabs on someone who is standing uh orthodox with you as a southpaw you have this fist and arm to deal with when you throw out that jabs so it's better defended uh so it is, it is more difficult. And if you're not used to fighting someone like that, uh, visually it throws you off. I, don't, I can't even explain how, but it messes you up. <laughs> so, yeah, I gotcha. But I, I, got, I agree with you that Gunner is probably my favorite to win this fight. Um, and I'm actually picking this one as my fight of the night. Because uh, I think it'll be more entertaining than what we think. Okay. I'm down with that. I could get down with that. All right. Want to cover our next fight? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we have the honor of watching Patty Pimlet. Mm-hmm. Who's a badass on two legs. And he throws so many strikes. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm selecting him to win. I think that he'll just outstrike Vargas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the pace that you have to contend with with, with Patty Pimblet. And I think Vargas will probably be able to hold his own, but as you get further into the rounds, I think that's where he'll start to struggle. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, Patty does take a lot of shots. Yep. So if Vargas sneaks one in there, it could be a knockout. Yep. But I always feel like Patty's so busy, it's hard to get him knocked out or so I don't know get him knocked down um (coughs) excuse me um whoa all right I'm good I'm good um yes I'm actually (laughs) in agreement um I didn't get to see a lot of his first fight in the UFC but I did remember Uh hearing that he his chin is not as, is not really that strong or something's not that strong if I remember correctly to the point where he got knocked down I think he almost got finished in his UFC debut and so that would have been a good look for them but he was able to rebound and I think once he yeah. gets it going he's very well he's a very great fighter um yeah I don't know a whole lot about Kazula Vargas um I wish I did know more about him, so I'm sorry. Um, I feel like this is just 
this to me kind of feels like it's going to be just a stepping stone for Patty Pimlet on his route to UFC stardom because it looks like from what I'm seeing is that they're going to push this guy and push him. Yeah. I'm going to stop that thought there. So put, yeah. Push him to stardom. We'll go with that. And so I'm in green. I'm going to say Patty Pimlet. Yeah. So far, nothing's changed. <laughs> this next so one, nothing's changed. This next one, though, might be a little bit different for us both. Um, really? Yeah. Are you going to surprise me? Possibly. Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker in the co-main event. Dan Hooker going back down to 145 after his... 12 fight stints at 155 in which all was going well for him until you know I don't until know until it what, wasn't yeah let's just go with that <laughs> until it wasn't um, so he has suffered losses to wow I'm drawing a blank on him Michael Chandler yep and he lost just recently to, I can't remember the name, so I'm going to look it up really quick. Sorry. He just recently lost to, drumroll please, Islam Makachev. There we go. Wow. Now that was his last fight was against Islam Makachev um, at UFC 267, I believe. Yeah, 267. Um, So, uh, I'm kind of worried about Dan Hooker going back down to 145 because at least as of from what I saw today, he has about two more uh, days until he weighs in. He has to get down to 146. I think if I remember correctly, he's at 163 or 161. So he's got to cut a lot of weight in two weeks, or two not two weeks, two days. Yeah. So, so cutting that much weight in such a short amount of time is—it's not going to be pretty. Let's hope for that. And plus, because it's been so long since he's been at um, featherweight, I kind of wonder if his body is going to be able to adjust well to it whether it's mm-hmm. during uh, weigh-ins or during the fight itself. Um, and Arnold Allen is no joke at featherweight. He is a very strong striker. There's a reason why he's in the top 10 in the featherweight division. Um, he, he's just, man, I can't even explain it. Arnold Allen just knows what he's doing out there. Um, so I'm going to take this as a surprise especially seeing as what's happened this week, I'm actually going to take Arnold Allen to win this fight. What? Not that I don't have any... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just thinking, I until I can see more consistency from Dan Hooker, I can't exactly pick him to win. Uh Okay. 
I actually picked Dan her twin. Um, wait or not, I think that he is the uh, better striker amongst the two. I think that he finishes more fights uh, through submissions and knockouts than Arnold Allen, which I think is always a plus. Arnold Allen has won uh, 84% of his fights via decision. And you know how I hate that. Uh, Dan Hooker tends to throw more strikes, land more strikes. And as far as his, he's got a better, a little bit better takedown defense, but knows how to, how to work on the ground. And I think that he'll be looking for a little bit of a comeback for himself and look, look to succeed in this, this weight division. And so I think that he'll have the drive to get there. So I'm picking him. Fair enough. I'll give me that one. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Oh, I lost my pencil. Ah, here it is. Marking wow. you down. Check. <laughs> All right. The main event of the evening is between Alvin Avokov and Tom Aspinall. Um, Interesting. I'm trying to remember a whole lot of what I remember. So, from my understanding, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember both these fighters. Aspinall fought um, back in, back on the co-main event, back in, geez, I want to say it was like October. I want to say it was October, maybe. Oh. I'm going to take a look real quick. Okay. I want to say he fought in October, but I am drawing a blank on when he last fought. It was actually really spectacular, too, how he finished it. Uh, Aspinall's last fight was against, oh, yeah, Spivak, who was the guy that, um, Sergei Spivak, who uh, knocked out Greg Hardy two weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. Or, yeah, you Greg out. Hardy. <laughs> um, this will actually be Aspinall's first real test um, because other than Andre Arlovsky, who we fought last February, um, he doesn't have a whole lot of fights. He has a lot of fighters that are like marquee names, but that's also because this is actually only his fifth UFC. His fight against uh, Volkov will be his fifth UFC fight. Really? Mm-hmm. And he's one of the heavyweights that could make a real big splash if he can get past uh, Dragoff, otherwise known as Alexander Volkov, who Volkov kind of reminds me of the, he's the fighter who is like really good, but when it comes to like crunch time or when he is fighting a title eliminator, he always seems to fall flat for some odd reason. Yeah. It's crazy seeing as how he is a six foot seven beast who can knock you out <laughs> and submit you in either which way possible. Um, and he's the dude with the crazy back tattoo now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
can't wait to see that. I think it's like a freaking canvas. <laughs> not well, a when you canvas. have that, a, when you have a back that big. Yeah. It must have taken like hours, days to finish. <laughs> days. Probably months. <laughs> yeah, probably months. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, both these guys are really good at striking. Um, uh-huh. Remember I, that Aspinall trains with Tyson Fury. That's right. He does train Tyson Fury. And that's gonna that can make the difference, especially going up against a guy who is I probably would say he has like a good couple four to five inches on him. Um yeah. so it's not gonna it's definitely not gonna be an easy fight for Aspinall, but I think if he can like stay in the pop. He can't, he can't go distance with Volkov because he just has those long limbs that can just, all he needs to do yeah. is like one punch and you're like, he's like, his punch like goes from the cage to like a third of the way to, to the center of the octagon. Right. Um, but I think Aspinall is going to be a interesting name to keep an eye on in the heavyweight division. And Volkov seems to be inching very close to that heavyweight gatekeeper status which you never really want to be at um so i'm gonna go tom aspinall because i think the crowd of england will be behind him um to knock out a russian if i see so myself (laughs) um and uh, even though i don't think neither of those countries have beef at least not right now um, so I'm gonna think Aspinall is gonna get that big signature win that he that that he needs. Well, he doesn't desperately need it, but it's gonna be a big signature win on his resume. Uh, yeah, I actually uh, picked Aspinall to win as well. I think that uh, Volkov has a lot to overcome when dealing with Aspinall. Um, Takedowns, takedown defense on Aspinall is is really high. He has a good submission rate. He is, you know, very well-rounded in my opinion. Um, But that striking ability is something that I think Volkov will fear on some level and make him a little bit hesitant in in the octagon. And I think Aspinall will be able to take advantage of that. I agree. All right, so now we know there is one difference. Now there is one difference. Yep, we have one difference. So we shall see where it goes. That's good effort. <laughs> Solid effort. Um, so now, I mean, the topic of the week is pretty much the main events because there hasn't been a whole lot of UFC news. Although I will say before we start it that Kane Velasquez has a lot of support from pretty much the entire MMA community. Um, it was like something that was written up that I think Dana White even stands up like stood up like like give him like some lenience because he I think we did talk about it before Covington and Masvidal. Um, but we didn't have a full update. Um, 
as of right now, Cain Velasquez is being held without bail. Um, meanwhile, the guy he attacked who was accused of the actions that he did was granted bail. So that's not a good look for the justice system, if I do say so myself. But Probably not. No. So we got and you. Like we talked, that's why people do it, right? Yeah, it's true. <sighs> one day, one day it'll be all will be right with the world and all the wrongs. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going with that. Yeah. So you you all know what I'm saying. Think of, think about it. Um, the the person accused has more rights and more protection than a child. Boom, nailed it. That's nailed what's it. wrong with our society today. Yes, <laughs> and that's not a good look. Not um, a good look. So, hopefully, hoping for the best for Kane and. I know I stand by, I stand by not, not in the method, not the way he did, the way he did it wasn't right, but I can understand why. Yeah. So with that said, our topic of the week, because there was no whole lot of news, we're talk, we're about a quarter, almost a quarter of the way through our, the 2022 UFC season. Main events have not been that great. Is it poor matchmaking? Is it strategic methods that the main event fighters are do are performing on? Um, I mean, so far my favorite main event so far has been Jamal Hill versus Johnny Walker for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. So. There's something the UFC could do that's different. Is there some? I, I'm pretty sure it's very difficult to train for a five round fight than it is a three round fight. So I'm curious. I'm, as I try to gather up my thoughts into what's going on, what what are your thoughts on to why our main events so far, for the most part? have just been times where we can take 25 minute naps. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> <sighs> I thought about it. Mm. I think it's a little bit of, of the way that uh, maybe the it's just that the format of the thing you got guys on the lower scale that aren't ready to fight mm -hmm. guys at the five and above spot or ten and above spot even and guys that are really good but have to get four fights under their belt mm -hmm. and you can't have the top ten guys fighting each other all the time right so is it is it just the way it's it's organized? I think so. Are there too many events in a year? Right there. 
right there. Yeah. You have so many events, but not enough fighters. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. I know that that's been a talking discussion, a uh, topic point or a topic of discussion as I think of my words. Uh -huh. um, I know back in the, I, I sound weird when I say back in the day because I've only watched, I've only watched the UFC <laughs> for what, six years? No, actually we'll be, we'll be hitting year seven in November. Uh -huh. That's crazy to think about. Anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, there are a lot less events throughout the year than they have been. I mean, granted, good for the UFC, especially when we were in, in the pandemic, in the pandemic era. I mean, we're kind of still technically in, in it. But the fact that he was at Dana White's been able to throw fights for us when no other sport was on, props to him. But yeah. I think now we're getting to the point where I think we're just trying to the perform the talent is running a little thin in a sense. And I think uh -huh. having so many events, especially because I mean we're currently right now, there hasn't been a break of U of UFC action since like early January, I think right before, right after UFC 270. So it's been a constant go at. And we're not going to get another break until that first week of April, that first weekend of April. So uh -huh. after, after this, we still have one more fight, event fight to go. And yeah, I think you're right in just saying that if they just limited the number of events in a year, it'll really help out. Um, of course, that'll probably mean there won't be a whole fighter will be fighting as often as they want to. But I think that should just be the name of the game. Like, if you want to stay active, stay active. Um, yeah, but how, how, if you're, if you're number 30, you mm -hmm. have to get a certain number of fights or fight lower tier or lower top 25 guys to, to move up in the rankings. How do you do that without the number of fights that we have? Right. What's that? What's Otherwise, that? it'd take you five years. Exactly. So I remember how they set it up back in the day. I think just because there weren't a whole lot of fighters that were signed to the promotion. Cause it was a little uh -huh. bit easier to have less, uh, less uh, fight nights when there were less fighters. But now we have more, I think that kind of could not really resolve the issue, but it's definitely, I also wonder if maybe just we need better matchmaking in a sense. I mean, I can understand like yeah. for fight nights, you should definitely have like top guys going up against each other. But right. I think it's just going to be a very 
I don't, I honestly don't even know. Um, guess it just depends on who's healthy and who's ready to go. And I think this would actually be a good chance, um, a good opportunity for the UFC to shart, shart, <laughs> shart, <laughs> start um, <laughs> having more female main events because I feel like they're, uh-huh. it's so underutilized. And especially because you see, like, let's say, for example, um, I mean, no one's really going to, no one's going to dethrone Valentina Shevchenko for a while. At, w- watch as I say that. Something's going to happen in June. Um, <laughs> but why not do, like, I know Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate are supposed to be fighting next, or fighting in May. I think it's May 14th. Uh-huh. Why not put that as the main event? Because you have the you have a fighter who had just recently fought for the belt going up against one of the pioneers in women's sports. Right. And it would get it would allow, and especially because I, mean, I know some of the fights are like earlier in the day where some people can still see it, but like I mean, I'd put Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate on prime time. Why not? As right. the main event. That'd be so, I'd watch draw, that. And you never draw know. money. It would draw money. And we know most of the women actually put it all out there. Not saying that guys don't, but it seems like you know like the women's fights, at least as of recently, have been a little bit more entertaining. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. I, I kind of like the tournament style thing that I think Bellat was it Bellator that did that, where they had tournaments and they uh, had brackets. Like the and Grand the Prix. Moved up. Yeah, it was, it was really entertaining. I wonder if you did that for the, with a mix of the bottom 15 of the top 25 and the first first 15 of the like the 26 through through 40 or whatever and you matched them up as a way for fighters to move up in the ranks what are you really doing if you're sitting at 24 right yeah hmm I, I would really love if the UFC did like a Grand Prix style tournament. Um, yeah. Although I know that, that's it's not so much a Scott Coker thing. It's more of I don't think Dana wants to do it. Yeah. Because um, he's lame. <laughs> yeah, it's just more like straight to the point. Like, okay, like, but still, like, Like, let's say, let's just say we do the, I, I think one way that you would really draw attention to it is if you have a champion that's not really as dominant or has an early defended the title for very long, as I'm thinking my word. Yeah. So, like, let's say, I think in order, in order for them to have a Grand Prix tournament, 
if they would have put a championship belt involved in it. The current champion at least has to have defended it maybe two times, three times, or you can, or if it's like a, you know, they did used to do a tournament style for the, when the flyweight um, division opened up for the men's, they had a four-man tournament to see who would be crowned the inaugural men's flyweight champion. So maybe some, I feel like maybe even a four-man tournament um, once a belt is either switched hands or ends up being vacated, do it that way. Yeah. I should do that. But We have options. Yeah. That Now that gives me an idea. Like you can do a forced, uh, four- that oh you know what'd be really awesome is if they did like a four-man tournament and the winner gets the and there's like a reigning champion like let's say valentina is the current champion you put the four fighter like four fighters that are below her have them fight it out the winner of that tournament gets the next title shot you could do that too. We have ideas. Why isn't anyone calling us? <laughs> we have all these ideas. No one calls. It's a shame. Shameful. Very shameful. <laughs> uh, but hopefully as the year rolls around, the main events start picking up a little bit more. Indeedly. Uh, but with that said, I think that is all we have for today. Okay. Because I know you need your rest to get ready for Indy. Beauty sleep. Oh, beauty, beauty, beauty sleep. All right, I'll call it rest. You can call it beauty sleep. I think, oh, oh you froze for a second. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> and I need my medicine. Yes. Did you get that? No, I didn't get that. As I heard, <laughs> I heard, I heard, and and then it froze. Like, oh, uh, uh. oh no. <laughs> so before we freeze any further, if you have any questions, suggestions, just want to say hi to us. You can reach us at the, yes. at our Twitter podcast our podcast twitter page at fktc pod or we just individually granted that it is safe for work you can reach laurel at rain basin but don't talk to her this week because she will be busy living it up tournament style what, what? <laughs> but you can reach me at tie fly guy 15 because i am not going to the tournament but I will try to see if I can sneak, <laughs> try to see if I can sneak into the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight some, at some point. Nice. Um, like they're expensive. Like I think it costs like two hundred bucks for like nosebleeds. Like that's all right. <laughs> I don't have that money right now. Um, but until then, protect your faces from Laurel's kicks. Protect your throats from my cuddles and what is our number one golden rule never leave the decision in the hands of the judges 
we will be back next week, as far as I know, um, yeah. for the first UFC event in the States that's not in Vegas. UFC Columbus. Nice. Oh, so, but one thing in tech, it, oh, not a... a fight. No, a, I should was, say a, a fight night event. Yeah. The, well, the first, they were in Houston. Yeah, I should, I should have said the first fight night event not a pay-per-view in the States. That's okay. not in Vegas. Okay. I should have said okay. it that way. Okay. okay. I'm bad. Okay. <laughs> we're delirious. I know. And we're tired. So we're going to peace out and we'll see you all next week. Bye.